I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Dr. Greg Mathis of Southern Poultry Research in Athens, Georgia. Great to see you, Greg. Well, it's certainly a pleasure to be back again talking on subjects that I'm most interested in, and it's Coxidia and Clostridium and the antibiotic-free movement. Well, you are known worldwide for your expertise in coccidiosis. It's a topic that we cover with you every year. It's an old disease, it's a worldwide disease, but it seems like there's always something new. So let's talk about the bio shuttle programs. When and where are they a, a, a good idea? Is it something that you want to consider using year-round, or is are, are they seasonal programs? Well, I believe the bio shuttle is, is itself is a Originally we thought it was a good thing because people weren't uncomfortable with vaccination and, and really people thought it was sort of a transition from understanding, you know, having application problems and vaccine cycling that we could modulate the vaccine coxycycline with it. And so it was going to be just a transient time until they could just go straight on vaccines. But I think now they understand that, yeah, by putting in at least, you know, again, we have the option of three options that you mentioned. You know, we have the ionophores that has a little antibiotic effect. Uh, we have chemicals, which have to keep them down because you don't want to, timing is important. And then there's the alternative products. And those are really are interesting in themselves in that uh, how they're affected, can affect cycling of coccidia, or do they work against the bacteria or they work in conjunction. So. Uh, it's a brave new world that we have to learn. To if you're using a vaccine and then following with an ionophore or a non-ionophore anti-coccidial, uh, what's the ideal time to, to come in with the medication? Well, the ideal time would probably be 14 to 16 days. But of course that dictates on when they're going from their feed one to their feed two program. and. Uh, and many times it's it's much earlier because I know that there's some going in at 10. So if you put it 10 days and you put a, uh, any of those products in at that time, you really have not allowed enough vaccine coxycycline from your vaccination to get enough immunity. And of course, most of those coccidia are very, very sensitive, even the low level ionophores or low level chemical anacoccidials. So it, it, it's, it's really is important to get least one and a half or two cycles would be ideal. And then it's, but uh, again, it's, you know, we gave presentations on this where uh, you're looking at problems of clostridium. Some people have them earlier, some of them have them later, and you know, and it's not as predictable as you think. So again, they're moving, shuttling into control programs to around their traditional clostridium issues. When, uh, back in the days when the industry was, uh, for the most part, only using medications, they would have very well-planned rotation programs and uh, shuttle programs. When we're looking at these bio-shuttle programs, do you have to take the same approach? Do you have to use a, a different anti-coccidial in, in every flock every time you bio-shuttle? I get that a lot about, well, will resistance develop to in a bio shuttle to such things as the zoolines or the amproliums or the robinidines or whatever they're using. And uh, I don't believe that it is because again, you are first, you're introducing the vaccine, which is 
that's the predominant coccidia in that operation and every time you vaccine you're reintroducing it so resistance can't develop there. You have your base population which will be there but it's we knew from a fact from doing back when Clinicox was first introduced that if you're using it in a grower program it's much less chance of developing than it was when we put it in a starter and a grower so uh, even in that kind of program it's a short duration the control is not quite as strong and its selection pressure is not as great so things like zoline which are not going to be kill off 100% of the coccidia in the first place. It's sort of like an ionophore-ish type behavior that selection pressure is very low for resistance development. So it's a good thing. You know, these are, I don't believe resistance is going to be your issue of rotating. Now, I saw a report the other day that zoiline is now the uh, number one feed medication being used in the U.S. poultry industry, which is amazing because it was just reintroduced uh, a couple of years ago after being uh, off the market for uh, a long time. Um, it, it, does, does that surprise you? It does surprise me. You know, if two years ago, I would have said no, it would not possible because it, we look at battery tests where we test anticoccidial sensitivity and it showed that it's not really a very powerful anticoccidial drug. But on that hand, it was turned out to be a blessing because again, two things, it's not, the selection pressure is not that great for resistance. Secondly, it can allow immunity to development and particularly in combination with vaccines. And uh, it just is a different mode of action than any other thing that we have. So it really opened up a lot of opportunities. And we gotta remember that we only have seven chemicals that were available in the United States and all of them are 60, maybe 60 years old now. And so we have to keep, you know, bringing in something fresh that time two years ago was, you know, it was really interesting. So you're saying that in a sense then, because it's not a powerful anti-coccidial, does it create some leakage, which then in, in turn boosts immunity or how does that work? Yeah, it, it's a it boost immunity in much the same way as the ionophores. We know that they're not 100% controlled and that was part of the reason why resistance didn't develop to them and how, how wonderful they are. And so at 125 parts per million of zoiline, it's a good drug, good anticoccidial activity, probably better than any of the, you know, thinking of alternative products. You know, it is really actually has anticoccidial activity, but it is enough to allow some immunity just by allowing some cycling. So it doesn't kill it all off. And that's a good thing. And that's a very good thing. Okay, interesting. <clears throat> now, I know you've been doing a lot of work with the alternative products. Uh, which ones are catching your eye? Well, the saponins. You know, there's uh, the Kaia from triterpenoid and the yucca extracts have made a lot of inroads into uh, being used continuously. You know, as a discussion, that you put it in the beginning, you put it in the end, or it's continuous, and I think we've mostly seen that it's a continuous kaida. Uh, Are they being again, used I mean, in addition to the vaccine and the other medications? Well, no one in the United States, I think, would use any of these alternatives as a standalone. But here, I think, in conjunction with an, a vaccine, or even in conjunction with an ionophore, again, I discussed that, you know, they're not 100% sensitive anymore, and so a little bit of boost helps a lot there. Uh, the essential oils are interesting. The uh, 
they have an antibacterial and antiprotozoal activity. Uh, acidifiers, butyric acid is, you know, and those organic acids. Butyric acid, for example, was originally believed that it was a, uh, could only be needed at the beginning because it improves villi growth and strength. But then we discovered, well, that's maybe true, but you're getting continuous hit by the coccidia and the clostridium and everything else, so you need villi growth, which is really, you know, some of those acidifiers really benefit that. We've been talking to Dr. Greg Mathis of Southern Poultry Research in Athens, Georgia. Greg, thanks again for coming by. Well, it's always a pleasure to be here and, and talking about coccidia and clostridium control. Thank you.